What's up, everyone? Welcome to the 281st episode of the Pokemon Podcast. It's super effective. I'm your host, SBJ, and Will is here. <laughs> you changed it. Let's get through this quickly. I've got Destiny. I've got Monster Hunter Double Cross. I've got so many things. So speed it up. You got the You're DC, already going too slow. You got the DC lifestyle ahead of you. Oh, yeah, I do. Man, let me tell you, two, doing two cons in one month and those being both places that you have to travel very far to. Well, I wouldn't say Indiana's very far, but doing Gen Con and then coming back home for a week and then going to PAX takes a lot out of you. I, I believe it. I wouldn't have been able to do it. Should we talk about PAX before we do the news? I would like to hear about your adventures at PAX, unfiltered from social media, which is the only way I've heard about them so far. Well, feel free to ask me any questions. Uh, I will say How that, much Pokemon did you play at PAX? What do you mean Pokemon? Like any kind of Pokemon? That's, I think that's a given in this day and age, since you're one of these Pokemon Go fanatics. I like all. I don't. I don't judge Pokemon in the platform it tries to deliver its goodness to me <laughs> on. Uh, I played a lot of Pokemon Go. I would say compared to Gen Con, how much Pokemon Go did you play at PAX? Uh, pr- I probably played more Pokemon Go at PAX than I did at Gen Con. Mm. Because Raikou, which we'll get to in our news, came out, and so anytime a Raikou raid popped. It was usually walkable, and I would walk to it and do it, and there's usually more than enough people because of PAX. The other thing is some of the panels were in hotel rooms, and those hotel rooms were either gyms or Pokestops. If you were sitting in like an hour panel, and you just happened to be on a Valor or Instinct gym because I'm Mystic, you're like, oh, I got plenty of time to take this gym and listen to these people talk. So let's just clarify. They're not hotel rooms. They're like in hotel conference rooms yeah ballrooms you weren't going up and sitting like on somebody's bed and they're like let me tell you about this video game i'm working on <laughs> a different different type of panel oh no specific our pokemon of the week by the way is kingdra when we get to it i know some people like to know that a little early right from the start yeah i don't okay i have a love hate relationship with seattle nothing is open late in that city My experience there was my plane arrived at like 11.30 at night, which is 1.30 in the morning central time where I came from, which is fine because I'm usually up that late. I check uh, Swarm slash Foursquare. I don't know, whatever tells you what restaurants are nearby and what's open and nothing is open. I I was like, fine. I This is the same issue that happened last year. I will just go to like a 7-Eleven. They're open 24 hours. Walk to the nearest 7-Eleven. There's a sign on the door that says, we're closed tonight for cleaning. So, it's wait, the worst. You, you live in the internet age. I, I just, I need a clarification from you. The internet um, does exist, yes. Do you, have Have you never tried apps such as, and I'm going to name several just so we don't give preference to any one particular, Foodler, Grubhub, Seamless, that's three. They're real popular. Have you ever tried Ford any Ash, of those? I think it was one. Uh, sure. Uh, what's the one that'll go to any restaurant? Uh, I don't know. I, but, I, you, okay. The Milwaukee doesn't have these things. I, I take that back. We just got Uber Eats oh at my, McDonald's. I feel so bad for you. Wow. Like a month ago. So, usually in those situations, I don't think of door deliveries, even though that's actually pretty smart. 
Like there was literally one time where I arrived in Austin, Texas at 1030 at night and I I should have thought of those other things, but I ordered, guess what I ordered? And I know you have this one, Domino's. I... Because remember, remember how we were talking last night and you were ordering Domino's? I know you know how to do that. Yeah, and it was regrettable last night too. It's regrettable cool. every time you order Domino's. It's no Pizza Hut, that's true. Yeah, I don't know if that's any better actually. Anyways, tell me more about PAX. You, you, uh, so what were your, give me your top five highlights, not your own panel, but uh, outside of your own panel, your top five highlights of the PAX experience. Top five highlights. I played Monster Hunter World. That was probably my number one. And is it, is it worth it? It was, it was worth it. Yeah. It was, it was very fantastic. Fantastical, some would say. Uh, it was great. It was awesome. It was it was cool. It was. I like Monster Hunter so much that I have a Monster Hunter podcast. Do you have a Monster Hunter tattoo? I don't. <laughs> I met somebody who does. Can you confirm a, a rumor for me? Uh, I, is there? Yeah, you don't, you don't have to answer because I'm just going to ask it anyways. Is there a mantle that allows for aerial style? I not in not. Not that I know of, but definitely right. not in the demo. Number two, top tip, or a top hit, whatever, your fave. Number two. Number two, this is probably, okay, this might not be in any particular order. Uh, number two would be hanging out with some guys from Giant Bomb. That was that was up there. So by hanging out, did you mean you went out to dinner, or did you do like we did at PAX East and just like shake a hand and have a brief conversation? Ah, uh, I had a probably like a fifteen minute conversation with Jeff, uh, which was much longer than I've ever had with any of them. And then I went to—I don't drink. I think you you know that specifically, but I went to the bar with Dan, and I was with Dan Dan Reichert from Giant Bomb for about two hours. And that's real cool. Uh, I, I like I didn't talk to him the entire two hours because you know how you're at a bar, people come up, people go. Um. Nobody comes up to me at a bar, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was up there. Uh this is a really weird one. I watched people play Final Fantasy 14. They had a like a trial setup. A trial is just like an eight-person boss fight in Final Fantasy 14, and if you waited like 3 hours to do it, and if you were able to complete the trial with your group of people, you want a t-shirt, which is really cool. I say that was a highlight because it's, I don't think I've ever done really anything. I, I'm blessed with Pokemon, right? Because I can go to like nationals, I can go to worlds, I can go to these regionals, I can go outside and meet people in Pokemon Go. I have the podcast. So I'm consistently surrounded by people who also love Pokemon, which is, which is great. But Final Fantasy, I am like restricted. Final Fantasy 14, I'm restricted to, you know, just playing online. So like seeing people play, Final Fantasy 14 in person was a really unique and cool experience and like when a group finally beat the trial and like everyone cheered and clapped it was like a really rewarding experience even though I wasn't participating but it was just kind of like I don't know it was like heartwarming feeling that you get from like yeah they did it even though we all thought they weren't going to do it that's pretty nice I mean Final Fantasy 14 is bull but <laughs> All right, that's like three. I need number four. Uh, playing Destiny 2 was probably... Oh, you, got to, you got a little hands-on? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we played some Crucible early. We got some exclusive PAX emblems that they pretty much do every time they're at PAX. Did you get exclusive shaders? Because that's where the real important is. No, 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 no exclusive shaders. Waited in line to buy stuff for two hours. That was great. Drank Rockstar because Destiny partnered with Rockstar Energy Drinks. And let me tell you, Rockstar's not good. Uh, it depends on which one you get. The the Fruit Punch, okay. Uh, r- original Rockstar, I used to, you know, 16, 17-year-old Steve could drink them like water. I, I couldn't even finish like half a can. Um, I like, I think they have like a, a lemon tea one version that's real good for me. That's that's one I like. And then uh, number five. Number five. Number five. Hmm. Wow, you don't even have five top things. Oh, dear. Hanging out with listeners go. of It's Super Effective. You know, not that many listeners uh, came up and said hi. Uh, I know Waffle Soup on Slack did. That was really great. And then two more people after the show. But last year there was, I don't know, over over like 15, 20 different people that came up. Like after the show last year. And the panel went really great this year to finally talk about Pokemon related. I mean, I mentioned Pokemon up to this point. So I did a panel with, okay, so my number five is I went to Little Woody's, which is a hamburger, which is a burger place near the convention center, and Little Woody's is fantastic. Uh, the panel. So I did it with uh, Jay Wits. The Jay Wits? The Jay Wits, yes. Did it with All the right. Jay Wits. Super great guy. We answered questions, voted for the best electric type Pokemon. Magnezone won, by the way. Also, there's like 60 electric Pokemon in... Out of all 802 Pokemon, there's only 60 electric. Uh, fun fact. Weird. And then we did a game of Drawful. I don't know if you're familiar with Drawful. I'm well familiar with Drawful. So I specifically set up Drawful to... Because you know how like Drawful will give you like draw a parachute on an airplane or draw bunnies sleeping in a bed. You know, kind of like kind of difficult stuff to draw. Not Maybe those two examples weren't difficult, but... Uh, so you can make your own Drawful games in Drawful too, and so I made uh, like a Pokemon one, and so it would be like Gengar eating a sandwich, or Machoke lifting a shopping cart, or Bidoof versus Porygon two. Well, yeah, I was curious whether you were making your own versions because they were all Pokemon themed. Yes, yeah. So uh, that went over really well. People really liked it. There's a lot of laughter, which I—that's my gauge of me- measurement. <laughs> Two gauges of measurement during panel. Are people getting up and leaving? And most of the time, that's a bad gauge, too, because people just have, like, other things they need to go to. Uh, And, you know, how much they're laughing and, you know, cheering slash participating. That seemed to go over really well. The only problem was I should have started that about five to ten minutes earlier uh, because we ran out of time. So we had, like, two or three more drawings to go, and uh, we kind of rushed to the end. But I didn't think getting people into the game would take as long as it did uh, just because... I, I I was like, hey, I need volunteers. Raise your hand if you have solid internet connections because we need this, like, you need to have internet to play this game. And some of the hotel rooms, you know, some cer- certain service providers didn't do as well in as other uh, service providers. Uh, and, like, four people came up and, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't connect to the Wi-Fi or they just couldn't connect on cellular. And so we had to send them back and get four new people. So that whole process took a little longer than it should have. 
But overall, though, I think the drawful thing was successful. Just uh, need more time to plan it out. Yeah, I think that's cool. And if we are able to do a panel together in the future, I think I would like to have us do that as well for the laughter and the fun. Did you did you see anything Super Pokemon, any Pokemon Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon at PAX Prime or nothing like that? No, no nothing. The Pokemon. There, so Pokemon Center had a booth last year, had like a whole room last year. With a bunch of plushes and pins and socks and, you know, whatever that pretty much whatever they sold on PokemonCenter.com. And they did not have anything this year. So weird. And, and this, they're keeping Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon so quiet. Yeah, and this is this has been my complaint for all of 2017. In 2016, we got so much Pokemon stuff. And yeah, I get it. It was the 20th anniversary. They should be doing that stuff. But, like, why just cut it off once 2017 happens? Like, I heard multiple people ask if the Pokemon room was was here, was existed. They're right down the street. Like, they're in the same, not city, but, I don't know, county as the PAC, as PAC's <laughs> convention center. They're the next city over. Yes. The, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming they're in the same county, though. I don't make those kinds of assumptions. You don't know. They're literally the next city over. I don't understand. And they like they sold out of stuff last year. Like I walked in, I was like, "Oh, all I got is Hoopa pins. I guess I'm getting that." I wanted I wanted Omanite and Kabuto, but they don't have that. And then I was like, "Oh, they only have Team Aqua socks, and that's it." I that's fine. I like Team Aqua. Pretty much sold out of everything last year, so I don't I don't know. That's really disappointing. Well, I'm happy to report that my weekend was much better than yours, uh, your PAX weekend, because I got to hang out with Mr. Nick Burgess, the famous uh, musician. The famous theme song slash intermission musician, Nick Burgess. As I like to call him, the Alan Thick of podcasting. And I also got out to, got to hang out with James from our Slack as well. Oh, so very cool. Pretty much just as many um, Pokemon uh, I, Super Effective listeners as you got to hang out with. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was gonna say I don't know if I'll do Pax West next year. The I I say that, but I'll pro I'll probably end up going. It's just the cost I, to Seattle is so much more expensive than the cost to Boston or San Antonio. But you, th this has been your theme all year. Like you come back from a convention and you're like, I don't think I'm doing that one again next year. Like which which one will you do next year? None of them. I like meeting people and stuff. I like speaking. I do too. I like talking in front of people. It's just, you know, it's just expensive. Uh, we're not we're not made of money yet. Breaking in those big podcasting dollars. Yeah, we need we need those <laughs> Casper ads so we can sell one mattress a year and make you know ten dollars off that. Uh, let's jump over to some Pokemon news here. First bit of news is. Some new Mega Stone codes announced. Ampharosite, Altarianite, Latiosite, and Latiasite. I think I said all those pretty pretty well. Pretty close. Pretty close. Available in Sun and Moon with a universal code. That code is Drachi. D-R-A-C-H-E. Uh, or code... Drosh. Okay. All right. Could be. I was putting a little French on it. That code ends November 1st. 2017. Uh, those will get you those four mega stones, and they were previously hidden behind the weakness cup Wi-Fi competition. 
And I believe all of the Megastone codes expire in October. Is that part of your news? October 31st. There you go. Ash Hat Pikachu. Not in Pokemon nice. Go. This is actually for the, the main series games. A dis- distribution announced for America and PAL region games. A code to obtain Ash Hat Pikachu will be revealed on the Pokemon website. Additionally, details on the publication of a QR code to obtain the movie Hat Pikachu in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon have been revealed. On September 19th, 2017, a common code will be published on the official Pokemon site to obtain Ash Hat Pikachu in Pokemon Sun and Moon. There are six different possible hats, and Pikachu and the moves Pikachu will know will vary with its hat. When players redeem the code, they will be able to determine which hat they obtain. The code can only be redeemed once per save file, so each player can only obtain one of the six different hats. The date for each hat follows. September 19th through 25th, the original hat. 26th through October 2nd, the Hoenn hat. October 3rd through 9th, the Sinnoh hat. October 10th through 16th, Unova hat. October 17th through 23rd, Kalos hat. And finally, 24th through 30th of October is the Alolan region hat. These Pikachu are likely to be the same as the equivalent Japanese distribution. The Japanese distribution also came with Pikachuminium Z, although it has not been announced for international distribution. The 20th Pokemon movie, I Choose You, will air in theaters in the United States and Europe on November 5th and 6th. In Australia and New Zealand, the movie will begin showing on November 11th, 2017. A a new teaser trailer for the movie has been published. And I believe you get a TCG card with that as well if you go see the movie. Did you pre-order tickets? Uh, I had the pre-order thing up, but I I couldn't tell with the seating chart what row was the better row to book a, two spots because I have like the reserve. My theater does reserved seating, so you pick where you want to sit. Yeah, I, I've just had this realization that I'm going to be in Hawaii that weekend, so I really need to look into what theater in Hawaii is going to have that and get my tickets so that it's not a last-minute disaster while I'm traveling. Oh, dear. I got three theaters near me that's that's showing it, and uh, they're all pretty close to each other. So I'm not sure if anything outside of the Milwaukee area is showing it, but Milwaukee got three. Well, I would say, as a good ruler, if Milwaukee has three, then, like, every theater in D.C. is going to have it. (laughs) How many theaters are there in Milwaukee? Like, four? And one of them is like the discount second run theater. I'm, I'm talking Milwaukee County, probably probably twelve Ugh. theaters, uh, maybe more than All that. Right. But yeah, tickets are available for the movie. Some more news here: the Ultra Sun Ultra Moon Pokedex Guidebook has been announced that will be releasing on December twelfth. Prima Games will release the Pokedex Guidebook for Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, titled "The Official National Decks." This book is 864 pages long. The book contains information about all Pokemon in the National Decks, including their moves, abilities, stats. In addition to this, it includes TMs and other items that give details on where to find them in Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. It also includes a reverse lookup table for moves and abilities. It is currently available for pre-order. So I think this news is important because I think this confirms we are getting... Uh, 
national decks in Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon? I mean, that's a kind of a given, but... You mean where you can actually see it in the game? Yes. Hmm. That is one of the things that a lot of people complained about. See, I... And they I, would like to see it. I see why people would complain, but at the same time, I liked that not only was the Pokedex small, but it was broken down by island. Yes, so it really, that's one of the things that's driving me nuts. It really made it... It definitely helped people who don't care about completing their Pokedex complete their Pokedex on top of, I heard various amounts of people in person, on Slack, on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, whatever, say that this was the first Pokedex they've ever completed because it was actually obtainable in that sense. Well, there wasn't like this looming thing saying, well, but you don't have these 600 or 500 other Pokemon, so too bad. But what's bothering me is when I started playing Pokemon Sun, I took my living Pokedex from the Pokemon Bank and dropped it into Pokemon Sun, but it literally doesn't open up the other Porsche, like the other island. It doesn't admit that you have the other island's Pokemon until you get to that island. <laughs> I didn't so know that. it's like, I'm, I'm, even though you've already proven you have a complete Pokedex, I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to admit that to you until you get to Pony Island and like, oh, so mad. Huh. Yeah, I would, I would like to complete my Alolan decks before Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Well, if you need any help, I can help you. Yeah, I think the only thing I really need are the starters, I think. But yeah, uh, you know, if, if if it was my preference, I think that the main series games should have a smaller Pokedex and should follow what Sun and Moon did and have it broken down into maybe multiple parts of, oh, I've completed, you know, this island that feels really good, only three islands to go, and then, you know, get the overall completion of your decks. Because... You could always save a national dex for a, you know, quote unquote sequel or third version or, you know, whatever you want to call this middle game. Or or even if they decide to remake Diamond and Pearl or Black or White or, you know, Red or Blue. Because Pokemon Bank does fill that fill that void of national decks and will always be there. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what we use it for. I'm just missing two Pokemon, and I will have a 100% complete living Dex. So. I would love to meet new Pokemon players that haven't played any of the old games and then come into Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon and go, oh, 802 different creatures? That seems impossible to complete. <laughs> it is quite the challenge. This article is off Polygon. Pokemon CEO doubted Nintendo Switch could be a hit. The Pokemon Company chief executive has gone on record saying that he did not think the Nintendo Switch would be a hit. How long a console lasts is the real question. So the truth inside Pokemon's company's CEO, Tetsuya Ishihara, I butchered that name, I'm sorry, observations doesn't really concern the device. Quote, I came to realize the key to a successful game is quite simple. Software with an absolute quality leads the sale of hardware, he told Bloomberg. Another quote here, I told Nintendo that the Switch wouldn't be a success before it went on sale because I thought that in the age of the smartphone, no one would carry out a game console, end quote. How wrong that man was. Did we do the news alert that I have a Nintendo Switch now? Because I think that was like 
right as you were leaving for PAX, I ran over to Best Buy and got it. Uh, yeah, how do you like it? Well, I bought it for one game. It was a real struggle for me to get that one game, but I have that one game, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> yeah, Puyo Puyo Tetris is amazing <laughs> in English when you can actually understand what's happening. Because um, remember, you had it on the PS4 in Japanese, and I like was completely confused. But to have it in English, I, I love, because you can play Puyo Puyo, or you can play Tetris. And the story mode is just so much fun, and I love it. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that his quotes are a direct, are directly related to the fact that we got so many mobile Pokemon games in the last two years? Do you think there's any like correlation between the two? You know, I think he's possibly misinterpreting or having a very limited viewpoint on the fact that yes you know mobile games are incredibly uh, successful money makers because every everybody's got a smartphone well it's not you know that's being a little off you know they're short-sighted but i would say quite a few people out there have smartphones um, the phone companies are doing everything in their power to get smartphones into everyone's hands. So the the place where you want your the place where you make money is where the people are, and so you want to get your games out to the people. But I think it's very short sighted for him to not recognize the which which of course was the reason the sole reason why I got the switch right the power of playing games in your living room on your television, which may be like only an American experience, but it's an important one for us. And I think that's still a huge draw, right? I I love Monster Hunter Generations and I have played until my 3DS is almost broken, but the second I got to play Monster Hunter on my television screen, it's the same game, it's the same quest, but the experience is just so much better to have the large-scale photo, the better sound, and everything like that, that I'm not going back to Generations. I mean, I'm going to help people, but it's not going to be my, the same draw and drive that I've had in the past. And there is no way that mobile phones can replicate that experience. I mean, not even you know playing them through your Apple TV, it's just not the same. So I think that's that's what's short-sighted, that he's looking at it from a, a corporate viewpoint of, yes, mobile games make money, but I don't know if that's, well, then again, that is the success factor, isn't it? <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of spaces you can go to to make money. Some of them make more money, others make less money, but I think console gaming is still a location where you can make a lot of money. Well, not to spend too much time on Monster Hunter, but I think... Monster Hunter, like Pokemon, has enough drawing power to attract people to where it goes. So, for example, Monster Hunter is now going back to Sony consoles, as well as Xbox and PC, from the Nintendo family. And people are, people will buy consoles to play those games. And you'll have, you'll have extremely vocal people that are upset that, that it's not on 3ds anymore or not coming to switch and 
of course they're going to vocalize it and, and and be upset and voice that opinion but for the most part people that love that series will go and find a way to play that game and i think i don't think it's obvious that pokemon is one of those series but also pokemon does extremely well no matter where it is unlike other i don't know brands franchises Pokemon does really well when it comes to the anime. It does really well when it comes to its merchandise line. It does extremely well when it comes to its TZG. Pokemon Go, top 10 game in the App Store still. Magikarp Jump, I'm sure that made money somehow. Uh, (laughs) Pokemon Shuffle probably made a lot of money too. It's on both 3DS and mobile games. Pokemon is under this very specific... Not specific, very unique umbrella of it doing very well in multiple places. So when it when Pokemon originally came to mobile devices, it didn't seem it didn't seem weird at all. It just seemed like another outlet for Pokemon to go. And not a lot of franchises have that reach that Pokemon does, which is why we can talk about Pokemon like three hours every week and and have something of substance to talk about. Yeah, and I think so. So my two things about Pokemon on mobile: uh, one, if if uh, TPCI, Game Freak, whoever wanted to develop a mobile-only Pokemon game, I'm sure that they would optimize the experience so that it would be successful as a mobile game on mobile devices. Uh, these people that that is their skill set. They they optimize for the platform that they're on. So that's one thing. But I don't know. I think, Did you play Sun and Moon? I don't think that game was optimized. Not only have I played it once, I played it twice, and I don't have any of the ex- negative experiences you've had. But my other issue is, and I think a lot of folks who are like mobile focus, mobile focus are not or or willfully ignoring the uh, desire that people have to use a controller. I, I know it sounds so weird, but to use a controller to manage the gameplay experience and not have it be only touchscreen, right? Because that is the only option in, you know, using mobile phones for gaming. You don't have a controller option. And not all uh, mechanics of a game can best be interpreted through touchscreen experience because you're always blocking a portion of the screen, if you're using touchscreen experience, especially if you want to do continuous motion, if you want to do fluid aiming, uh, those kinds of things, aim and shoot, right, where you would have a multiple button press type experience, you can't really replicate that well in a touch screen without removing a certain portion of the screen's availability. And one of the huge appeals of gaming for people is high-quality graphics, which will be limited on a mobile experience. Or sound. Destiny 2 has some really good music. Yeah, but I've got my headphones in all the time. I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say sound is going to be an issue because they can, they can stream whatever audio. I don't know. Have uh, you heard Pokemon Go's music? I turned that off right away. Yeah, but you hate, you hate music. I mean, like game music. Uh, mm. We've had this discussion, sir. I don't turn off the sound in Pokemon Go. I get all my bleeps and ugh, ugh, I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> speaking of Pokemon Go, legendary beasts are available in Pokemon Go. You don't say. I don't. Uh, there was a press release on Niantic's blog about this. Really? Okay. So I went on a Twitter rant like a month ago. 
and I said that there's no way we are going to get Raikou, Entai, and Suicune without some kind of promotion or notification. They're just not going to drop it on us. Because if you look at the video they did for the initial raids, which was Moltres, Zapdos, Articuno, Ho-Oh, and Lugia, and then at the very end, Mewtwo, that video got almost 3 million views. Clear to me that the budget they put towards that video and the the way they promoted that video, 3 million views is no, nothing to, you know, nothing to frown at. Seems like a lot of people watch that video is what I'm saying. <laughs> I believe you're correct. So for them to say it would have made sense for these the, the legendary beasts to be with Ho-Oh, just like Articuno, Zapdos, Moltres was with Lugia. If you know the story of the Burn Tower... These three unknown Pokemon died in the fire. Ho-Oh brought them back to life. They become the legendary beast. We still don't know what those three unknown Pokemon are. You know, lore, we'll never know, blah, blah, blah. We, we, we don't have a Ho-Oh yet, still, even though Ho-Oh was in the trailer, so that doesn't make a lot of sense. But their announcement for the legendary beast was a, just a blog post. So while I might have been slightly wrong with the whole, hey, they really need to promote this, they they kind of did through Twitter and Facebook with, with their blog posts. They didn't really give these three Pokemon the attention that they gave the first six legendary Pokemon that they showed. And I think that's showing now. And what Wait, I... You don't think people are showing up for raids? Yeah. I just don't think the excitement is there as it once was. And I get that. You know, people really wanted Mewtwo and people were burnt out from doing a million Articuno raids. I I personally feel like this new promotion for these three Pokemon were rushed. And it was just, we don't have Mewtwo ready yet because they, re, they na- renamed exclusive raids to EX raids, which I think was smart. I think the word exclusive... Uh, is not the right word to use in the situation. I think it makes people feel left out. I think it makes people feel like they don't know what they they're they're doing or not doing to be part of the quote unquote exclusive. And on the other side of the coin, I think that um, the word ex is is better to use. Also, people that have been in the series is familiar with that word, especially if you play the trading card game. But the news here is, from August 31st to September 30th, Legendary Beasts will appear in the following locations. Raikou throughout the Americas, Entai throughout Europe and Africa, Suicune throughout the Asian Pacific region. On September 30th, each Legendary Beast will move to a different region and will continue until October 31st. Then we'll move for one final time on October 31st to November. Uh, furthermore, the testing of EX raids per Previously referred to as exclusive raid battles will begin on September 6th at select gyms. During the field test, Niantic will make adjustments to EX raid eligibility, frequency, times, locations, and duration in order to produce a feature that satisfies fans. Hmm. So the, the, the only reason I, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not standing on some mountain and saying Pokemon Go is dead. The, the people who play Pokemon Go, they're still out there. They're still playing. I still play. I, I had like a four-month streak in Pokemon Go, and the one thing that broke that was Destiny, just because I didn't leave my house for two days. But I'm, I'm in a couple 
Pokemon Go Facebook groups, they're all pretty inactive. I was in a couple Pokemon Go iMessage chats. They're pretty much in, inactive. And for the first, you know, couple days that Raikou was available, they were they were posting. And maybe everyone got their Raikou and they're not interested in continuing to get Raikou for the next 20 days. But I don't know. I felt I, I just feel like this specific promotion was rushed and they probably could have made a bigger deal about it if they if they gave it a trailer, if they gave it a little more time. I think a month is too long for one specific Pokemon, especially if it's quote unquote legendary. Yeah, but they had to slow down because people were feeling like they were rushed and having to get all grab grab the birds before the birds timed out. I know, but like instead of right when the so right when the birds ended is when Raikou showed up. But why don't you just take two weeks off and then just give Raikou two weeks instead of like take two weeks off, get like let people I don't know let people rest or let people have a break during those two weeks. Get your promotion materials ready. Then make a bigger announcement and then just have Raikou go for two weeks. Maybe Niantic is just really bad at marketing things. <laughs> Do you ever suspect that? Maybe. I don't know. Like, Pokemon Go Fest and that trailer for raids, like, that was really good marketing. People were hyped. Well, maybe they're hit and miss on marketing things. <laughs> so some people have been getting into exclusive raids. I reached out to Niantic. I don't. They were like, uh, it's 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 per gym, so if you're not near a gym, we can't invite you. Because I was like, hey, let me get one of these exclusive EX raids. What, you like? The, you just want them to, to pop one up right at your house? Yeah, yeah, just, just turn my house into a gym. That's what I was asking. It sounds like a couple people in like the Seattle area got to go to the EX raid. I th- it's still in beta right now, so... I'm like the like the article says they're making adjustments to how often these are popping, how people get into them, et cetera, et cetera. This is funny because you know a month ago people were complaining about exclusive raids and how unfair it was when we had no information about what they are, and <laughs> we still don't really have information except that they are adjusting frequency, times, location, duration. Uh, it sounds like the people over at the Silk Road they said that. The Mewtwo's catch rate is 6% as opposed to the catch rate of the legendary birds, which was 3%. And I believe the legendary beast catch rate is 2%, which probably plays into the fact that they're a month long, gives you plenty of opportunities to get that. But that's getting into the nitty gritty of Pokemon Go. That is true. Um, Although I am happy that they're raising that catch rate because I've never, I can't catch anything. Yeah, I think. I just there's probably some disappointment if uh if you don't get invited to that many EX raids and Mewtwo is very hard to catch. It's not a good feeling. Got a little bit more Pokemon news before we wrap up here. So this is off Ars Technica titled Pokemon Go will get monster trading one on one and one on one battles. For over a year now, dedicated Pokemon Go players have been asking for the ability to use their collected monsters more like they do in traditional Pokemon games by trading and battling with other players. The Pokemon Company's president, uh, Senzuku Ishihara, confirmed to Bloomberg this week that those features were still being planned for the game. Quote, we've accomplished 10% of what Pokemon and Niantic are trying to do. So going forward, we will include fundamental Pokemon experiences such as Pokemon trading and peer-to-peer battles and other possibilities, the executive said. 
This isn't the first time the monster trading. This isn't the first time monster trading has been promised for the hit mobile game, which still has 5 million daily users as of the first anniversary in July. Those features were shown off in the game's very first trailer and mentioned in interviews around the game's launch. Developer Niantic has been mum on the issue in recent months, focusing on instead updates like the raid battles and changes to the gym functionality. In a Polygon interview from March, Pokemon Go producer manager Tetsuya Nomura said that any eventual monster trading in Pokemon Go would have to take place in person with nearby players, not across long distances. Still, Nomura said that he saw trading as a way to solve the quote-unquote local spawn issue, which limits many monsters to certain thematical appropriate regions in the real world when trading was initiated initially planned for the game the hope was for that quote some pokemon you have known someone or find someone who lives in certain regions and meet and exchange instead the heavy localized pokemon stuck around while the trading features have remained unimplemented so what do we do with those in the real world ishihara asked rhetorically in the bluebird interview quote one view is to have a chilly pokemon in a cold climate but then that would mean oh, that would also mean that po- people born on tropical islands won't be able to catch them. So we always we are always thinking on how to find the right balance between game design and how our Pokemon should exist and how players feel about their collections. More than location issues, trading and personal battling will be a way to get players to interact with each other directly rather than simply playing alongside each other against a shared game in against a shared game world. That could be a good way for current players to encourage their far-off friends to join or rejoin the game, giving it a potential viral shot in the arm to the game that has lost 80% of its peak player base. Well, I think the biggest concern with trading is that's also the biggest exposure to people hacking Pokemon, because that's how it's pretty much done in the 3DS games. It's mostly through trading and hacking the trade functionality, so... That's what they also have to be most careful of. I'm pretty sure Niantic has a better grasp of spoofers than the Pokemon company has. Then Game Freak has a better grasp of people RNGing and just using like action replays or iOS apps to transfer Pokemon over. Are you sure? Didn't we just have a discussion about Raikou? <laughs> I mean, the, the, the cheating in Pokemon Go is people changing their location, which that's, that's a whole nother topic. But the whole point of Pokemon Go is going out and, and being in the real world and catching those Pokemon. If you're sitting on your phone or in front of a computer and changing your location to appear in Europe to catch Anti early because you can't wait a month, you're really missing the point of Pokemon Go. And we've kind of had that conversation before, but I would feel more comfortable trading a Pokemon in person with somebody in Pokemon Go than I would ever trying to do Wonder Trade or something like that in a main series Pokemon game. Because at least when when I'm trading with somebody in person in Pokemon Go, I, I can see their face and like judge their character and like... Oh, this, you know, six-year-old kid who doesn't have a Porygon 2 and I have a million of them, I don't think he's spoofing, so I think that's a 
you know, give me a Pidgey. I don't care. I just want you to, you know, have a Pokemon you don't have. Well, I mean, I agree for trading in person that 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 makes complete sense. But when you look at mobile phones, which is where Pokemon Go lives, they have not done a good job of extending NFC out beyond payment systems, right? Which I think they actually only allow it through, as far as I know, Apple only allows their own payment system to use the NFC that's on the iPhones. And there's no other way to do point-to-point local authentication i mean i don't think uh i don't think iphones can do like i don't wi-fi i don't think it would each other i don't think it would be wi-fi or nfc i think it would be server-based at gyms so think of right then right now only the only way players can actually connect is during a raid so i my guess i would assume that trading would have to take place at specific locations like you just couldn't come to my house and start trading with me the whole point is to get players to go out and meet. So if we go to a gym together and we take a gym down or we do a raid and when we're done, then we have the option to trade because those gyms provide server points of being able to communicate between our two devices. Dude, if you want to go to the gym, we can go to the gym. I have a I have been thinking about this Flanging and I have a and lifting banging. I have a lifting routine ready for you to just jumpstart you into the lifting life. I see. Um, so that's that's fine. I also think that that would be incredibly foolish because of all of the complaints that we already get from people who live in rural areas who can't have access to the nice raids and everything because they don't have gyms that spawn in their areas and things like that. Although I believe there were some changes or Niantic's trying to make some changes to improve that for people. I I don't know. I don't want I don't want to hear about these rural p- players. You know, <laughs> some some people in rural areas also don't have a Taco Bell. Some don't you're, have you're a, not, a McDonald's uh, open past 10 p.m. You're not even a coastal elite because guess what? Lake Michigan doesn't count as a coast. <laughs> Stop hating on your own Middle American values. Some games just aren't fair. That's this is true. This is very true. You know, I'm on the Pokemon Go subreddit. I'm on Silk Road, and trading is you know talked about off and on. And I think you would agree with me that Pokemon Go introduced a lot of people that normally are not you know Pokemon fans, Pokemon connoisseurs like ourselves, like our listeners uh, to the game. You mean people like your mother? Yes, exactly. There are some people on, uh, you know, in these communities that question trading, like why, why this would ruin the game? Why, why would this be added? Why do people want this so bad? What benefits would it be? You know, completing the Pokedex isn't that hard. And if you put all that aside, I think those people are missing just one of the core values of Pokemon, which is in itself the trading and how important that is to the whole series, you know, in the past 21 years. Would you agree? I do agree with you 100%. And even, you know, even if it doesn't actually add that much to the game in gameplay wise, you could make the same argument for the main series game. Why, why is there trading? Like, if you look at me, I, I can't remember the last time I traded. I traded once, once in Sun and Moon to uh, a Slack user named Kevin, who is very great. He gave me a Parasect with False Swipe and Spore, which is what I was looking for. 
And again, I trust that Kevin didn't, you know, RNG slash hack slash action replay that Parasect. I've traded once in Sun and Moon. And I think in X and Y, I also traded once. But that doesn't mean that I don't think trading shouldn't be a thing that exists. I think it's very important. And I've, I think it's very important in Pokemon Go, not because the, the Pokedex is hard to complete, but because there is so much value to, you know, meeting somebody in person and being like, oh, you're from, you know, Mexico? Why don't why don't we trade Pidgeys? Here, you have an American Pidgey now. I have a, this is a bad example. Now I have a Mexican Pidgey. Something like that. Like there's there's still you can still make a connection somehow. Like there are specific Pokémon in my Pokémon Go um inventory or whatever they call it, bag that I remember exactly where I got it, what time I got it, um where I was when I got it. Even when you click on a Pokemon, it shows you where you caught it, what kind of ball you caught it in, etc. I'm not saying that that's valuable to all people, because some people don't care about filling out the Pokédex. Some people don't care about, you know, if their Pidgey was caught in an Ultra Ball or a Great Ball or a Pokeball or a Premier Ball. Some people don't care. I do care. And I think that's one of the great things about Pokemon is that there's so many different things that you can care about that it makes it enjoyable for people in different ways. I mean, you're not wrong for a change. <laughs> Yeah, but I uh, I think trading is, an, is important. Also, I am, again, this is a conversation probably for another time, but I'm just surprised how many people care about IVs in Pokemon Go. <laughs> it's so true. Although you're one of those people who is like, I, I take a screenshot of my Pokemon and then this dude tells me whether it has good IVs or not. Yeah, I mean, like they they make it e they make it easy, and also there's only three IVs in Pokemon Go compared to like the the 200 IVs in the main series game. It's very classic Pokemon that way. <laughs> but also, IVs don't matter in Pokemon Go. I mean, I think they did the math, and it's like one to two percent damage difference based on like if you have a 14 out of 15 and a 15 out of 15. It's like, well, you can do one extra water pulse if you're in an Articuno raid, and that's an extra X amount of damage. It it doesn't really matter at all. But I'm just, yeah, a conversation for a different time of how obsessed people are with IVs. And also, the other thing I want to say is if IVs are so important to you, um, go study botany and do something, in, you know, worthwhile with your life. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Speaking of uh, stuck in a rut, uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll do a couple emails. We'll do our Pokemon of the Week, and then we will wrap up. Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Who's your favorite Pokemon? Manchamp? Manchamp? back from our break let's do some emails here will i enjoy emails uh, if you have any emails that you want to send us questions comments concerns you can email 
us directly at sbj at pkmncast.com or you can go to pokemonpodcast.com and email us that way. Pokemonpodcast.com, hit the contact button, email us that way. All right, first email is from Zane from Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. Says, hello, love the show, look forward to it every week. My question it will be brief since you mentioned how far behind on emails you are. Man, this email's from July. Woo! Well, well, well. Yeah, I, I do skip around. I try to, like, pair certain emails together. Um, in your opinion, which Pokemon game has the best music and which has the worst? Personally, I think Black and White has the best music and Sun and Moon has the worst. Only a few of those songs get stuck in my head. Zane. Interesting. I, um, I agree. I'm not too impressed with the sun and moon, sun and moon music, but I do think that it sounds a lot better than previous Pokemon game music. But I will tell you, do, do you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm speaking for myself, but I'll ask you as a question, Mr. SPJ. Do you have any songs wh- when you're playing your music on shuffle and it comes to like a particular song and you're like, I don't, I don't care what mood I'm in. I can't skip this song. I have to always listen to this song. Do you have any songs like that? Uh, no. I mean, well, like five years ago, I would probably say yes and give you examples, but I, I very rarely listen to music now. Notable. Um, you listen to podcasts where boring people talk about musicians, but yes, uh, I do listen to my music on shuffle quite a bit. I have a very extensive library, and I do have songs where it's like when that song comes on, I'm not going to hit skip. I'm always going to listen to that song. And one of those songs is the song from Isaris City in Pokemon Black and White. It is an absolute 100% favorite song of mine. I don't know if, if there's like any bad music in Pokemon. I will say that the the song... Trainer's Eyes Meet. <laughs> All right. Trainer's Eyes Meet is pretty bad. Uh, I will say the Team Skull stuff, like Guzma's theme and everything, they stood out to me in Sun and Moon. They had that special guest uh, rapper guy on it. Can't remember his name. But if you have yeah, a soundtrack... I know what you're saying, yeah. It almost kind of sounds like Splatoon-ish music. I don't know. But I also don't... M- the majority of my Pokemon gameplay uh, is with the sound off while I'm watching something on TV. Uh, Sinnoh has some pretty good music. This message the is... <laughs> this message is from Andrew from Staunton, Massachusetts. Hi, SBJ, Will, Travis, maybe Micah, and maybe Irene. Depending on who's the show, I'm 13 and I've been a longtime Pokemon f- fan, a longtime fan of the Pokemon franchise, and I've been listening to your podcast for about a year. Needed something to listen to while I am clanging and banging at the gym. Actually, just kidding, I go there to run on a treadmill. Man, 13 at a gym? Uh, 13 is just the age when you can actually start doing some uh, resistance training. Although, please, uh, you know, read the literature. Some people would advise that you shouldn't do very high weight exercise if you're still growing uh, because it could have an effect on your growth. Maybe they're like a, like a uh, runner at school. That's why they go to the treadmill. Get that I, in, that's cool. Get that I'm endurance. I'm the treadmill myself. I searched Pokemon Podcast, and your podcast was the first thing that came up, probably because of the name of the website. I listened to the episode Zelda to Driftblum, and I instantly fell in love with the show. I've been listening ever since. I have a few questions for you. What is your favorite Pokemon overall? I know this is... I know people have probably asked this before, but I have never heard it. Two, if you were the leader of an evil team, what would, your, what would be your name, concept, and ultimate evil scheme? 
My favorite Pokemon is Sceptile, and he is the first Pokemon I trained to level 100, and the first Pokemon I ever received, Trico in Pokemon Emerald. Keep up the great work on your show. You are all great. You are all great. Thanks, Andrew. These are the hard-hitting questions. Favorite Pokemon of them all? All? Uh, all? Your accent uh, I don't speak with an accent. Um, <laughs> Victini? Let's right. go with Victini this right. week. That's a good one. <laughs> hmm. I am going to say this week I'm really feeling Garbodor. <laughs> You're smelling it too. <laughs> Oof. Too much destiny. Too much uh, destiny. Evil team. All right. What would my evil team, what would my name be or what would the name of my evil team be? Hmm. The name of my evil team would be Team Human Resources. All right. I think there's nothing more evil than that. THR. <laughs> what would my evil scheme be? Wow. It usually has something to do with Pokemon, doesn't it? Yeah, that, what one would assume. I think that I would want to i just i'm not evil folks um i just to make a lot of money let's let's get let's get pokemon back to the real world i want to use pokemon to make a lot of money (laughs) all right (laughs) uh this message is from sam happy birthday steve thanks for giving us seven years of awesome content i've been listening for about eight months and you've made doing chores and my pokemon grinding much less stressful i have found no other podcast that brought me so much laughter and pokemon knowledge Hope it continues for a long time. Also, is there any way to listen to the first episode? I can't find them anywhere, and I love listening to old episodes. Thanks, Sam. Thank you, Sam. And that email is also from the end of July, which was my birthday, that I don't really remember what happened. For your birthday? Yeah. Oh, we I do remember. Did a special I, episode. I, uh, so, uh, how to find the first episode? If you go to SoundCloud, uh, soundcloud.com slash PKMNCast, all the episodes are there. iTunes and Google Play and I believe Stitcher only show the last 200 episodes. So since we're at 281, you're only going to go back to probably probably episode 100 because there's also like the the Sun and Moon stuff, the Black and White stuff, which is are not technically full episodes, but they take up spots. Uh, so if you're looking for anything that you can't find on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you find podcasts, you go to SoundCloud and you scroll down and you keep scrolling, you'll see all the episodes there. And then they have a direct download link if you want to download them. Uh, or uh, you can just listen right on the actual web player or in the app. So there's your answer. But thank you, Sam, for the birthday wishes. Sorry it took me almost two months to get to your email. I apologize. We'll do two more here. This message is from Harrison from Louisville, Kentucky. Hey, man, I stumbled upon you when I got my new job. I have terrible cell phone service at work, so my usual Super Smash Brothers content wouldn't wouldn't quite cut it because I couldn't load the videos. On top of this, the content wasn't very engaging unless you could see the gameplay. However, having loved Pokemon since four years old, I'm turning 23 in a couple days. Uh, happy late birthday. Uh, I looked up your podcast. I looked up podcast about Pokemon, and there you were. I've started all the way since the beginning, and I haven't listened to your most recent podcast, but I'm a huge fan of 
I'm already a huge fan even in these early episodes. I've been learning a lot about Pokemon and watching the time fly by at work. My favorite part is the team analysis as that's where I feel like I learned the most. Oh, I'm sorry. There's some wrong information <laughs> in those early episodes. Ooh. Just don't listen to those. When they get to this episode, they'll realize that one, I read their email two months late and uh, two, whew, those episodes are not good. Anyways, there isn't really a point to this email except to say you're doing an awesome job and I personally wanted to thank you. I'm on episode 20 or so and I see that you have all you have a lot more. This sounds lame, but my job doesn't require a lot of communication so I could go a full day without speaking. Your podcast makes me feel like I got that I've got someone there with me chilling and talking about Pokemon. I cannot wait to watch how you you've no doubt improved on the beautiful from the start work. Thanks again, Harrison. I like that email. That's a good email. This message is from Will, not you, but another Will. I have never written you an email, sir. Hey, SBJ and the rest of the ISE crew, Mario and Rabbids look pretty neat. If it does well, maybe Nintendo will be up for more Mario appearances in other games. By no means does the Pokemon series need to lean on the popularity of Mario. But I think one-off trainer battle against Mario would be hilarious. What Pokemon would he have? If you could throw him in a trainer tower with no story implications at all. Keep up the great work. And I want to give a shout-out to our Platinum Nuzlockers in Slack. The pain and suffer we've experienced up to this point only makes us stronger. Hang in there. Have a good week, Will. Which Will was that? Hmm. Uh, it's a good question. I played a little Mario and Rabbits, and I really enjoy it. Uh, Mario has been in other cross other games like Mario yeah, and maybe they Sonic. Could have, yeah, yeah, I was gonna say maybe they could have a Mario like Olympics game or something like that. That would be cool. Uh, oh wait, <laughs> I'm pretty sure Mario was in SSX. If you remember that, SSX. SSX. Yeah, it was a snowboarding game on GameCube. Oh. Uh, what what Pokemon would Mario have? Well, maybe like a vile plume or a shitanotic, one of those mushroomy ones. Okay, all right, I see where you're going. That's good. No, like a parasect. Doesn't that kind of look like a goomba? That there you go. Good call. Shuckle. Right. Uh, Gu- Gudra. That kind of looks like a Yoshi. No, Dragonite. Maybe. Uh, I mean, Dragonite more. Um, but Turtonator. Turtonator kind of looks like a Bowser. Breathes fire. Yeah. Yeah, you got that. You got to have a Turtonator. Tough question, though. I mean, I, I think we've came up with some pretty good answers. Maybe like a um, Sea King. There's those bloopers. Oh, Inke. Inke, because of uh, the uh, Inklings or whatever they're called. Bloopers. The Inklings? I, the the mm. white squids that float, and then in Mario Kart, they put ink on your screen. Yeah, they don't appear that often. What about the ghosty things that only move when your back is on them? Oh, the ghost. Yeah, I could sure. see. I would say like a haunter, not like a ganger, but like a haunter. You have to have the hover. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we came up with some good ones. Uh, I think that'll wrap it up for emails. I think I think we're actually pretty caught up now. There was just a couple couple in July and August that I didn't get to. Uh, so again, if you have any emails, if you want to know about, you know, if a hot dog is a sandwich, is a, if if a chair, what makes a chair a chair? Feel free to email us. Uh, you can go to PokemonPodcast.com, hit contact, that'll email us. Or you can go, you just email directly sbj at pkmncast.com. That'll email us too. So more than happy to read those on air, Pokemon or non-Pokemon. 
let's jump over to our Pokemon of the week. I decided on Kingdra because Kingdra is cool, but we'll take it away. Kingdra is a large, seahorse-like Pokemon with a tightly curled tail. It is covered in blue scales except for its yellow, compact belly scales. There are thin spines with a single branch atop its head and thin, white fins under its cheeks. Its thin snout is powerful, allowing squirts of water jets with devastating power to be fired. Two-pronged fins extend slightly past its cheeks. On its back is a white fin supported by thin blue spines similar to the ones on its head. The yawn of a sleeping Kindra is powerful enough to create undercurrents capable of destroying small ships. Should it decide to emerge from the depths of the ocean, Kingdra's strength can create large whirlpools and seaborne tornadoes on the surface. Because of its immense power, Kingdra often hibernates deep in uninhabited areas of the sea to rest and build up its energy. When a storm arrives, Kingdra is said to awaken and wander about in search of prey. Mmm, the old very, water dragon Pokemon. Yeah, it's very timely for uh, uh, hurricane season. Whew. Hopefully everyone is still safe out there. Safe it up. Continue being safe. <laughs> Continue. Yes. Yes. Safe it up, please, people. Safe it up, people. Uh, we'll do a quick move set here for Pokemon Go. If you get a Kingdra, your premier move set. There's actually two move sets for Kingdra that works that work pretty well. Uh, for your quick attack, you definitely want Dragon Breath, and for your charge attack. You can you can have a little bit of options and uh, outrage or hydro pump both ample options there, both very good moves. Maybe a lot of people will prefer outrage just because uh, hydro pump is on a lot of other Pokemon like Vaporeon and and the plentiful other water Pokemon that exists. There's not a lot of Dragon Pokemon currently in the game, so when you do go up against a Dragonite or something. Uh, outrage is very beneficial, but again, you know, up to your up to your choice there. Uh, the only one you probably don't want is Blizzard because you don't get that stab bonus on it. And and in the main series game, if you get a shiny Kingdra, it is purple instead of blue. Very nice shiny. Still has what color is that belly? That, oh, it's got that yellow belly. The belly is still yellow. Uh, some trivia: Kingdra's name is os- often mistranslated to Kingora which uh, was an issue in the Pokemon Adventures. Kingdra is the only dragon-type Pokemon introduced in Generation 2. Kingdra and its pre-evolutions share the same category as Dratini, and its evolutions with the with Salamence and Gudra. They're all known as the dragon Pokemon. And if you didn't know, Kingdra is based on a weedy sea dragon, but, there are sh- but shares characteristics with regular seahorses. I mean, it looks like a seahorse to me, so... I'll take it. A weedy, a weedy sea dragon. Let me click that link. Oh, yeah, it does look like that. It is found in the uh, southern part of Australia. Is that near Perth or not near Perth? Uh, Perth is on the west coast of Australia. Uh, no no CD, C, weedy sea dragons for Perth. They don't get a, they don't get a whole lot there at, in Perth. Uh, I mean, foot problems. From their lack of shoes. Yeah, that's what, that's what I hear. That's what, that's, that's what the rumors going around are. I think that'll wrap up our episode. I think it was a good one. The dream, the dream team makes it through again. 
<laughs> the dream team is that are, do we still get to be the dream team yeah yeah i mean the the, the, the dream never dies well that that's oh that's true that's, that's true you, you never kill the dream uh podcast wise uh we we are looking we are looking for uh, a third maybe even a fourth i don't know uh now that convention season is over uh, i've been in talks with a couple people we have some interviews uh, I'm lining up. Uh, in specific, I have two on the docket. And one is a... I don't like saying who they are because if they fall, for th- if they fall through, then I'm just like, uh One is a extremely good and very well-known person in the Pokemon VGC scene. So hopefully we can get them on the show. Uh, we talked before PAX, and they were very, very willing to be on. That'll be great, because I don't think we've had a very hardcore VGC person on in a, in a real long time. And now that the season is about to reset, I think, uh, and with, with how well the Sun and Moon VGCs were received, I would love to get some input there. And I think that's a pretty good interview lined up. And then we have uh, another, like, non- Pokemon person coming on, but you know somebody who has been in the game games industry longer than Pokemon has existed. So they have some early thoughts of you know the Pokemon boom and and how that all kind of started and where they were, where how they saw it when it originally started. So those are two interviews we have lined up. Like I said, we have uh, just this past weekend I did a call with somebody. I needed to check out their voice. I needed to check out their microphone. I needed to see how they handled me asking questions. Going to probably do that with another couple people. So, yeah, we got a lot of things. Got and, I mean, you always have me, so I always have go. Will, yep. Uh, I still plan on streaming the TCG every Monday night. Every, like, every card pack people have given me, any card packs I've earned in the game, I have saved opening those to the beginning of the stream. So if you miss those streams, they will be on YouTube. But if you're into the TCG, every Monday night, I about 8 o'clock Central Time, I will stream for about an hour or two, stream some Pokemon TCG. I plan on going to a couple events this fall, regionals or states, or I don't know what they're called anymore, but trying to get out get out some more, do, do at least one or two a season. So every Monday night, trying to stream that. Irene and I will still be doing... Irene, Micah, and I, I'm sorry... Uh, we'll be we'll still be doing our Leaf Green playthrough. Where we're going to try to get through that before before Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon comes out. Gosh, I hope we get that done before Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. I can't handle playing two Pokemon games at once. <laughs> uh, we will not be doing that at all this week. Uh, I think I still need a full week to recover. Uh, not only with like catching up on Pokemon stuff, but catching up on my actual day job. We will continue that next week, the week of, let me just pull up a calendar, the week of the 18th will resume, so no Leaf Green uh, this week, but again, every Monday I'm going to do that uh, TCG stream for you guys, if you're interested in that, so please come out to that, and yeah, I think I think that's it, a uh, lot, lot more content going on the YouTube page, so if you're into longer form video content, if you need something to watch on your lunch or to, you know, if you need to hear my voice before you go to sleep, youtube.com slash pkmncast. Check that stuff out. Uh, otherwise, I think that's our episode. 
I think that's it. Uh, you can follow the podcast at Pokemon Podcast. You can follow Will on Twitter at Washing the Sink. You can follow me on Twitter at Dragging a Lake. And you can review us in Apple Podcast if you care to do so. Uh, leave us a review. We're almost at 750 reviews, which would be really, really great. Uh, if you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciated. Uh, if you have any feedback, if you want to talk to us, feel free to tweet at us. I think Will and I are both really good at responding to everyone that tweets at us. As long as they say something nice. Yeah. I only want you to tweet at me if you have something negative. Just, no, don't do that. Well, I mean, do what you want. I'll, I'll still tweet at you. <laughs> <laughs> I put weird polls on Twitter, too. All right. All right. So check out Will's weird polls. We'll be back next week. This has been another episode of the Pokemon Podcast, and we are super effective. Dun, dun, dun. You said it. <laughs> I, I mean, somebody has to somebody say it. Has so to until say you it. get somebody else in there, I got to do it. Uh, this is this is the the dilemma we have with with needing another person. <laughs>